Thank you for listening to Enable This Week. The month of April has been designated Sports Eye Safety Month. The awareness campaign is sponsored by the American Academy of Ophthalmology. Today, before the month is over, we will talk sports. After presenting some general sports eye safety information, I'll take a look back into the history of sports eye protection, and you will also hear about some of the uh, worst eye injuries in modern sports. All the information for today's show comes from the American Academy of Ophthalmology. The website is aao.org. The title is Sports Eye Safety. The article was written by David Turbert and Beatrice Shelton, reviewed by uh, Dr. Ninel Gregory. Nearly 30,000 sports-related eye injuries are treated in U.S. emergency rooms each year. The good news is that 90% of serious eye injuries could be prevented by wearing appropriate protective eyewear. How to prevent and treat sports eye injuries. Different activities and sports have different levels of risk for eye injury. Make sure that you're using the right kind of eye protection for each activity. Regular eyeglasses do not offer proper eye protection and in some cases can actually make an injury worse if they shatter. Be careful during activities or games involving projectiles and other sharp objects that could create injury if in contact with the eye. If you have an eye injury, go to the emergency room immediately, even if the injury appears minor. Delaying medical attention can result in permanent vision loss or blindness. What sports cause eye injuries? Eye injuries can happen in almost any sport, but some sports are higher risk than others. There are three that they mention. Basketball causes most sports eye injuries in the United States. One study found that basketball was the leading cause of sports-related eye injuries, followed by baseball, softball, airsoft rifles, pellet guns, racquetball, and hockey. Protective sports glasses with shatterproof plastic, called polycarbonate lenses, should be worn for sports such as basketball, racket sports, soccer, and field hockey. Choose eye protectors that have been tested to meet the American Society of Testing and Materials standards. That can be abbreviated the ASTM, the American Society of Testing and Materials, or that pass the CSA, Racket Sports Standards. And the CSA stands for Canadian Standards Association, CSA. The American Academy of Ophthalmology has published guidelines for protective eyewear for sports and activities on their website. The next category of what sports cause eye injuries would be combat sports causing blindness eye injuries. Boxing and full contact martial arts pose an extremely high risk of serious and even blinding eye injuries. There is no satisfactory eye protection for boxing, although thumbless gloves may reduce the number of boxing eye injuries. The next category, any sports that require face masks or face shields for eye protection. In ice hockey and men's lacrosse, wear a helmet with a polycarbonate face mask or wire shield. Hockey face masks should be approved by the Hockey Equipment Certification Council or by the Canadian Standards Association, the CSA. 
Next topic, protect yourself if you have vision loss in one eye. If you already have reduced vision in one eye, consider whether it's worth the risk of injuring your other eye before you participate in a high-risk sport. Check with your ophthalmologist to see what appropriate eye protection is available and whether they advise participating in any high-impact or other high-risk sports. Next, spectator eye safety at sporting events. Spectators at sporting events should also be careful. Balls, bats, or players can end up in the stands at any time. Keep your eyes on the game and watch out for foul balls and flying objects. On-the-field visual test helps diagnose concussions in athletes. About 3.8 million Americans sustain sports-related concussions each year. A quick, reliable screening test is useful on the sidelines to keep injured athletes from returning to play too soon. An on-the-field visual test helps physicians better diagnose, treat, and rehabilitate patients with concussions. So next we have the first big article for you, Historical Moments in Sports Eye Protection. This information comes from the American Academy of Ophthalmology, written by Michael Mott, reviewed by Dr. Michelle Andrioli. An introduction says, since the very first basketball made it into a hoop and the first batter hit what we now know as a home run, the need for safety gear of all types became clear early on in the history of sports. Even as popularity soared, the dangers of sports were real, including eye injuries. Fast forward to modern day, tens of thousands of sports-related eye injuries occur every year. And most of these injuries are preventable through the use of protective eyewear. According to a recent Harris poll, the majority of American adults are unaware of how common traumatic eye injuries are while playing sports without eye protection. So why the large gap? Perhaps history is partially to blame. Eye protection has always been the final frontier of sports gear, even today. Here are some milestones in sports eye safety that we applaud. We go back first to 1200 B.C., way back. Fencing is the sport, and the mask is the sport's protective equipment. 1200 B.C. It's no surprise that protective gear and the sport of fencing go hand in hand. Evidence from Egypt, dating back to 1200 B.C., depicts a type of fencing complete with masks and protective weapon tips. Although the mask's design and materials undoubtedly changed over the next uh, few thousand years, its purpose has remained the same. Next, moving right along, 1877, baseball, the catcher's mask. On April 12th in 1877, in a game against a semi-professional team, James Tying, T-Y-N-G, James Tying of Harvard, Harvard College, became the first baseball player to use a catcher's mask. Though Major League Baseball players are still not required to wear eye gear, baseball continues to top the charts as one of the most dangerous sports for the eye without proper protection. Next, we come to skiing and snowboarding goggles. 1965 is the date. 
The double lens anti-fog ski goggle was invented and patented by a man named Robert Earl Smith in the mid-1960s. For many years, skiers struggled with single-pane goggles that would fog up from moisture and humidity. An orthodontist, Robert Earl Smith, began using his dental tools along with foam and glue to build the prototypes that would eventually become today's industry standard. Next, basketball goggles. 1968 is the date they give. Several NBA players wore protective eyewear, including Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy, Horace Grant, Kurt Rambis, and Amare Stoudmeyer. Perhaps the most famous, Abdul-Jabbar, first began wearing basketball goggles in 1968 after having his cornea scratched in an NCAA game. There are other common eye injuries associated with basketball, such as retinal detachments. Studies show eyewear on the court isn't a bad idea. Basketball is the leading cause of sports-related eye injuries. Though still not required, NBA players today have the option to wear eye protection. All eyewear is approved on a game-to-game -game basis. Next, we come to motor racing with a full-face crash helmet, also from 1968. Open-face, hard-shell helmets were popular in motorcycle and automobile racing throughout the first half of the 20th century. In 1968, the California company Bell introduced the full-face crash helmet called the Star. That year, Dan Gurney became the first driver ever to use the helmet in both the Grand Prix and the Indianapolis 500. After the accidental death of Dale Earnhardt in 2001, NASCAR made full-face helmets mandatory. Next we come to hockey, the protective visor. The first professional hockey player to wear a helmet visor was Greg Neald in 1973 after he had lost his left eye due to an opponent's high stick. He continued to advocate for a mandatory visor rule, and in 2013, the National Hockey League, the NHL, required any player with fewer than 25 professional games under his belt that season had to wear a protective visor. This was in 2013. The Olympics requires male hockey players born in 1975 or later to wear a visor that meets certain international standards. All female Olympic hockey players must wear full face masks. Next we come to football. Protective visor, the date they give is 1984. The first NFL player to use a visor was Mark Mullaney of the Minnesota Vikings in 1984 so that he could protect a healing eye injury. In today's game, the NCAA, as well as many high school and peewee leagues, have prohibited all but clear eye shields so that training staff and coaches can easily view a player's face and eyes to determine an injury and whether or not the player is conscious. In addition to being clear, not tinted, the NCAA requires all eyewear to be made from rigid material. Next, we come to racquetball goggles. In September of 1995, moving right along here, the amateur 
Racquetball Association, the American Amateur Racquetball Association, a predecessor of the Olympic USA Racquetball Association, mandated the use of protective lens eyewear for all participants. According to the AARA rules, a player who fails to wear protective eyewear will be assessed a technical foul and a timeout while they obtain the proper eyewear while a second infraction in the same match will result in an immediate forfeiture. Next, we come to soccer goggles. The most well-known example of goggles on the soccer field was in 1999. Edgar Davids, a popular player on the world-renowned Dutch clubs Ajax and Juventus, began wearing goggles following an operation on his right eye for glaucoma. Davids was required to receive permission from the FIFA, the International Soccer Association, and FIFA now says, in view of the new technology that has made sports spectacles much safer, referees should show tolerance when authorizing their use, particularly for younger players. Next, we come to the sport of lacrosse goggles in 2005. Based on recommendations by the American Academy of Ophthalmology and the American Academy of Pediatrics, U.S. Lacrosse, the national governing body of the sport, began recommending the use of protective eyewear in 2004. A year later, 2005, the organization started mandating the use of eyewear, but not helmets or face masks. This is for lacrosse, and this was done at all levels of the women's game. Updates to safety requirements were made in 2020 for young girl players. For the men's game, helmets and face masks, but not eyewear, are required for lacrosse. Next, we come to field hockey, goggles. In April of 2011, the National Federation of State High School Associations began requiring protective eyewear, either the polycarbonate lens or wire frame style, for all field hockey players. The International Hockey Federation and USA Field Hockey, however, do not have such a mandate and strictly prohibit the use of wire or cage-type goggles. And the final entry in this section is called Squash Goggles. On January 1st, 2012, U.S. Squash, the national governing body for the sport, mandated that hardball and softball squash players and coaches must wear protective eyewear during all sanctioned events. This requirement came 20 years after former U.S. champion Will Carlin suffered a torn and detached retina when his opponent's ball struck his unprotected eye. And there you have it, some historical moments in sports eye protection through the years. Next, the American Academy of Ophthalmology has provided a list of the worst eye injuries in modern sports. Now be prepared. Some of these descriptions are, you might say, a little bit graphic, so be prepared. The article was written by Rena Mukamal, reviewed by Dr. Sidney Gershiro. They didn't see it coming. 
Professional athletes from the NBA, NFL, NHL, and other sports leagues have a history of career-threatening injuries to the eyes. Basketball players face the highest risk, but no athletes are immune to the danger of a flying ball, a hand, or a piece of equipment. Nearly 30,000 sports-related eye injuries are treated in U.S. emergency rooms each year. Though 90% of these could be avoided by wearing protective eyewear, it is still not a requirement for most pro athletes. Here are some of the most infamous eye injuries in modern American sports. Number one, Herb Score in baseball. On May 7, 1957, two years after winning the American League Rookie of the Year honors, Cleveland Indians pitcher Herb Score was struck in the face by a line drive. He was carried off the field and spent nearly three weeks in the local hospital where he received treatment for damage to his retina, hemorrhaging in the eye and fractured orbital bones. Herb Score eventually recovered his 2020 vision and returned to the mound the following year. However, he was never the same pitcher. As Hall of Famer Bob Feller said after Score's death in 2008, here's a quote, he would have been probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, left-handed pitcher who ever lived. The next person, Tony Canigliera, also from baseball. The date was August 18, 1967. Boston Red Sox slugger Tony Canigliero was hit in the face by a fastball. Though he wore a helmet, it did not have the protective ear flap that's standard in today's models. Carted off the field on a stretcher, the outfielder had a broken cheekbone, a dislocated jaw, and serious damage to his left retina. He made a strong comeback two years later, but his career never recovered. Conigliero retired in 1975 due to his poor eyesight. In 1990, the Red Sox created the annual Tony Canigliero Award to honor the player who best overcomes obstacles and adversities on and off the field. Next, we have Henry Boucher from hockey. On January 4, 1975, Minnesota North Stars center Henry Boucher suffered a crushed eye socket after being attacked by Boston Bruins player Dave Forbes. The two skaters had just come out of the penalty box at the end of the first period when Forbes attacked Boucher from behind and, quote, thrust his stick to Boucher's head in a bayonet-type motion. This injury required 25 stitches and surgery to repair the eye socket fracture. Boucher received a $3.5 million settlement, but he never fully recovered. He retired from professional hockey the following year at the age of 24. And this was in 1975. Next, we have a person named Bernie Perrant, also from the hockey field. February 17, 1979, during a routine play, an opponent's stick poked through the eye hole of Bernie Perrant's goalie mask. The Philadelphia Flyers Hall of Famer lost sight in his right eye for two weeks. He eventually recovered, but his retina was badly damaged. Eventually, vision loss forced him to retire. Perrant was considered one of the greatest goalies of his time. 
After the incident, many NHL and Junior League franchises made the switch from the fiberglass mask to the modern-day cage mask. Next, we come to someone you've probably heard about, Sugar Ray Leonard. From the boxing category, on May 9, 1982, the world welterweight champion Sugar Ray Leonard had a two-hour surgery to fix a partially detached retina in his left eye. Leonard, age 25, had been having trouble with the eye since a sparring injury nine months prior. While training for a title-defending bout against Roger Stafford, he started to see floaters. The operation was successful, but Leonard retired just six months after his eye healed. He made multiple comebacks, but lost his last professional fight against Hector Camacho in 1996. The next year, he was voted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Next, we come to Dickie Thon from baseball. On April 8th in 1984, the Houston Astros shortstop, whose name is Dickie Thon, was up to bat and leaning into the plate when a pitch shattered the orbital bone above his left eye. The scar tissue that formed behind Thon's retina forever left him with partial blindness. The rising National League star continued to play Major League Baseball for another 10 years, but he had to stand farther from the plate and use a longer bat. Thon struggles with the injury to this day. He says that driving and reading for long periods of time give him double vision and a headache. Next we have a man named Kirby Puckett from the field of baseball. On the morning of March 28, 1996, Minnesota Twins outfielder Kirby Puckett awoke with a black dot blocking the vision in his right eye. He was 35 years old, a 10-time All-Star, and one of baseball's most popular players. A retinal specialist diagnosed Puckett with glaucoma and found a partial blockage in the blood vessels of his retina. Even after four surgeries, the vision loss could not be reversed. Puckett announced his retirement months later on July 12th. He became a national spokesperson for the Glaucoma Foundation and publicly encouraged people to get eye exams. In 2001, he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, Kirby Puckett. Next, we come to Orlando Brown from the football field. On December 19, 1999, Cleveland Brown offensive tackle Orlando Brown, also known as Zeus, was hit in the eye by a penalty flag. The flag, thrown by a referee during a game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, was weighted with a pouch of ball bearings. It flew past the face bar on Brown's helmet into his right eye. Damage to the eye's retina and optic nerve led to ongoing pain and white flashes. Ultimately, he was cut by the Browns in September of 2000, the next year, and sidelined for three years with a $25 million settlement from the NFL. In 2003, he rejoined the Browns, that had been renamed the Ravens, and played with the team until March of 2006. Orlando Brown died in 2011 from diabetes-related complications. Next, we come to Brian Burrard from hockey. On March 11th in 2000, 
the Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman Brian Burrard took a stick to the face on a slap shot follow-through. Burrard fell to the ice in a pool of blood and was rushed to a local hospital. He suffered a retinal detachment and a severe rupture of the eye's globe. The top overall pick of the 1995 NHL draft would miss the remainder of the season, the 2000 season. The following year, Burrard had multiple surgeries and wore a contact lens to achieve 20 over 400, the league's minimum vision requirement. He returned to the ice and won hockey's Masterton Memorial Trophy for his perseverance. Next, we come to Bryce Flory in baseball. On September 8th in 2000, Boston Red Sox pitcher Bryce Flory was hit in the face by a line drive. He didn't pass out, but doctors at the Massachusetts Eye and Ear Infirmary diagnosed him with a damaged retina and fractures to his eye socket and his cheekbone. He had many surgeries to relieve the pressure around his right eye and fix the fractures. Doctors worried that a pool of blood behind the retina would steal his sight, but Flory's vision eventually improved to 20 over 50. The 30-year-old returned the next year to pitch in seven games, but his major league career ended shortly thereafter. Next, we come to Steve Yezerman, who played hockey. On May 1st in 2004, the Detroit Red Wings forward Steve Yezerman took a puck to the eye. He was not wearing a face shield when the shot bounced off the opposing team's goalie during Game 5 of the Western Conference semifinals. The future Hall of Famer was down on the ice for several minutes before being taken to a local hospital. There he suffered a corneal abrasion and underwent four hours of surgery to repair an orbital fracture. The 10-time All-Star missed the remainder of the playoffs but returned to the ice for his final season before retiring. Because of Yezerman's impressive record, he is the sixth leading scorer in NHL history, his injury has advanced the push for mandatory visor use. Next, we come to Juan Encarnacion from baseball. On August 31, 2007, Juan Encarnacion, an outfielder with the St. Louis Cardinals, was struck in the face by a foul ball as he stood on the on-deck circle. The ball caused multiple fractures to his left eye socket and trauma to the optic nerve. The Cardinals' team physician, Dr. George Poletta, described the injury as the worst trauma I have seen. He compared the injured area to the disintegration of an eggshell. Encarnacion underwent successful surgery to repair the fractures, but he had permanent vision loss due to damage in the optic nerve. He missed the remainder of the 2007 season and never returned to play professional baseball. Next, we have Amare Stoudemire, basketball. On February 18, 2009, Phoenix Suns player Amari Stoudemire suffered a detached retina after getting poked in the eye during a game against the Los Angeles Clippers. This came on the heels of his recovery from a trauma to the iris in the same eye. Stoudemire had emergency surgery and sat out the rest of the season in 2009. 
He eventually recovered 2020 vision and went on to a 15-year NBA career, including eight seasons with the Phoenix Suns, five with the Knicks, and one season each with the Heat and the Mavericks, before he retired in 2016. To wrap things up, the article says that ophthalmologists treat athletes at every level, from high school standouts to professional stars. Protective eyewear is the best defense against injury, whether you are a student or an NBA celebrity. Polycarbonate lenses are safest for basketball, racket sports, soccer, or field hockey. Athletes who wear contact lenses or glasses also need protective gear. So, as you heard in today's program, the need for eye safety in sports has changed over the years, and the safety measures that have been adopted are for the better, we all hope. To end the program today, I have a quote for you to think about. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. This was said by Wayne Gretzky, the ice hockey legend, born quite near here in Brantford, Ontario. He is 60 years old. Can you believe that? Time flies. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great week.